Hallelujah. So great to be here today and so glad that you could join us on our virtual worship time. I wanted to let you know that today we have a a special guest speaker, not carrying on the sermon series that I was planning on doing. We decided that this might be the last uh, uh, service where we're doing it completely virtually. And so uh, Lisa is going to be sharing. She's a, a missionary in Southeast Asia and uh, has been there for four years. She's now on home assignment. She's going back in April, uh, hopefully. We'll see what happens. Um, but she's been also a missionary in Africa for 10 years. But uh, we are taking our missionaries out of South uh, Africa and South America, and uh, we're redeploying them all to basically Asia. And because that's where the least reached people of the world are. And so that's where Elisa is, is uh, ministering, and she's going to be sharing later on in her service. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. I want to thank your church leadership for reaching out to me and inviting me to be with you this morning. My prayer is that as we gather around Jesus, um, we our hearts would not only be encouraged, but they would also be challenged today. I live in Southeast Asia. And it's the only location within the Christian Missionary Alliance that they have their international workers leave Canada and go directly to your new country and live for one month among the least reached people group that you will be engaging with after language studies. This month long process is cultural immersion and it's actually called a homestay. In February of 2019, the grandmother of my homestay family passed away. I had just arrived at the house of the daughter to go to the visit to visit, go to visit the grandma who was in hospital, only to find out the grandma had just died. I went with the family to the hospital and one by one, they went into her room. They shook her. They checked her breathing. They even said to her, Grandma, Lisa's here to sing with you because that's often what we would do. All of this were just desperate attempts in hopes that she was not dead. I was the only person there besides the immediate family and her grandchildren. On one hand, I felt very privileged to be invited into such a sacred moment. But on the other hand, I was very saddened by seeing the desperation of this family in trying to awaken a very obviously dead person. In this context, they cremate people. And the family invited me to join in the cremation ceremony. The great details and money spent to prepare her body for passage was unbelievable. After they took her grave clothes off, They washed the body in oil and fine herbs, and then they wrapped her body in this white gown. And on top of that, they placed food and money. And all of this was in hopes that she would have enough for for transport, basically, for passage to hopefully get her to heaven. Because you see, in their faith, there is no assurance of this. As I sat in a sea of grieving Hindu people, I cried out to Jesus, God, have mercy on this people. You see, these people are considered an unreached people group, which actually means that they have little or no access to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
And you know what? There are more people just like grandma all around the world dying every day without having a chance to hear the gospel news. Who will tell them? Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, how can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Today, I'd like to talk with you about what it means and looks like to live a mission focused life. Or we could say, what does it mean to be missional? And what's my role? in this. So when I say that word, being missional, what what comes to your mind when you hear those words? I asked a few people what that meant to them. And the first one said, being missional is living with your focus outside of yourself. Another one responded, working hard towards a specific goal. And yet another said, following Christ's call, sharing the gospel with the lost world through God's wisdom and strength. And finally, living intentionally to fulfill a mission. Webster's Dictionary defines mission in life to be anything you pursue with almost religious enthusiasm. We have a term in the church. It's actually a Latin Christian theological term, and it's called Missio Dei. And it actually means the mission of God or the sending of God. You see, the idea of being missional teaches that the church has a mission because Jesus had a mission. The founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson, said, as followers of Jesus, we are called to Christ's mission. Missions is not just the activity of the church, but rather the identity of the church. Let me say that again. Missions is not just the activity of the church, but rather the identity of the church. You know, we're all pretty familiar with the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, brothers and sisters, this charge is for all of us who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's not just for a select few. God invites you and your church to be involved in this glorious process of bringing people into his kingdom to be a part of history, but to be a part of his story. You know, oftentimes we think we're afraid to go out, but we don't need to be afraid. If we look at that passage more closely, did you notice that Jesus doesn't just jump in and command his disciples, go? No, it actually starts with verse 18. And it begins with all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And it's bookmarked with, and surely I am with you always. How awesome to know that he has given us his power through the Holy Spirit. He goes with us and he doesn't send us alone. So how do we prepare ourselves to go? 
You know, if we look at Acts 2, 46, the New International Standard Version says, United in purpose, they went to the temple every day, ate at each other's homes, and shared their food with glad and humble hearts. Through the lives of the disciples, we have an example of how we are to prepare to go out on mission. It says they were unified in purpose when they met together daily to pray, break bread, and they did this with humble and grumbling hearts. No, it says they did this with humble and joy-filled hearts. You see, Acts 2 in Acts 2, we actually see the result of their meeting together. At Pentecost, they were all gathered as they normally did, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what happened? The, begin, the disciples began speaking in different languages. Each one heard it in his or her own language. And over 3,000 people came to know Jesus in that one day. And then we know that in the days and months following Pentecost, the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. They lived among the people. They got to know the people. And they even used images and metaphors known specifically to the people that they were living among. You see, their belief in the one in whom they were declaring was unshakable. Why? Because they had seen Jesus in action. They had spent much of their days with him. And out of this relationship, of being a witness themselves, they became vessels of transformation. As Christ followers, we're called to bear witness to the incarnational ministry of Christ. This involves the Holy Spirit and the Word working together to bring about transformation. The Word of God alone sees all that is in man and it makes all things new. The word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is sent forth to redeem and restore God's image in mankind. You see, Jesus is our role model of how to immerse or incarnate oneself in another culture. Whether that's youth culture, urban culture, foreign culture, or any other environment, our goal of immersion is being a witness of Christ. You know, if we look at, at Matthew 25 and 35, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. The Bible commands us to love our neighbor, but it stresses the need to love the stranger. But if we're really honest, oftentimes, it's not easy to love people who are different from us. However, brothers and sisters, we're all made in the image of God. So the question is, can we see God's image in the face of someone with a different skin color than me, speaks a different language than me, or has a different culture than mine? How do we live and move and have our being among those who are different from us? Well, I would suggest we move into the neighborhood and become their friend. Or perhaps like Canada, many have moved into our neighborhoods and we need to extend the gift of hospitality. 
You know, in my master's studies, we looked at the gift of hospitality. And one of the authors suggested that hospitality is central to the meaning of the gospel. And this actually aligns with the Apostle Paul's teaching to his fellow disciples to welcome one another as Christ had welcomed them. He actually says in Hebrews 13 too, that they were not to neglect to showing hospitality to strangers because they may be entertaining angels. You see, hospitality is not a monetary action, but it's actually a heart issue. Hospitality depends on other practices to cultivate specific values, such as patience, truthfulness, generosity, forgiveness, and hope. And through these practices and virtues, we welcome Christ into our midst. You know, in the life of Jesus, eating together was just normal practice. It was normal community life. Jesus and his followers regularly ate together. The simple act of eating crosses all barriers and allows us to learn another culture and another tradition. When I think of having visitors to my country, I used to think that the important things for them to come and see and experience were going to cultural sites or uh, spiritual sites also that they could get an understanding of the cultural and spiritual atmosphere where where I live. And while that's okay and that's good and it might be important, I have now learned the challenge of thinking about the power of the everyday. A life-changing experience for visitors, I believe, would be to get a first-hand taste of the culture by simply sharing a meal together. How awesome to sit at the table with my Hindu friends, learn from them, hear their stories, and listen to their hearts, and vice versa. In Canada, I've been told that new immigrants can live here for many years without ever having been invited into a Canadian's home. So let me ask you, when was the last time you invited a new Canadian into your home? Or perhaps you're a new Canadian and I would ask you, have you been invited? Yes, I'm aware that there's a pandemic going on and that idea might seem impossible. But actually, in the midst of this pandemic, there is huge opportunities. Why? Because people are isolated. They're alone. They're looking for hope and they're looking for friendship. And we have the hope. That they need. One thing that I've been challenged with living in a new ch culture is to look for God in his creation. You see, God's already at work in the places where he's called us to. But we need to be listening and asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to where that is. Oftentimes, we as Christians can look at things in another culture and deem them sinful or be repulsed by them. But I believe that at times, God can use those things to change our way of relating to God. Let me give you an example. Before leaving Canada, I knew that my first month in my new land, I would be living with a Hindu family who prides themselves on having the largest temple in their village. And People would say to me, Lisa, aren't you afraid? 
And I'd say, afraid of what? And they'd say, well, you know, you're going so far away. You're going to be around people of another culture, another language, and another religion. Aren't you afraid? And I would just smile at them. And I would say, no, I'm not afraid at all. I'm actually really excited. Because when they said yes to having me live in their home, they said yes to having Jesus live in their home. Because you know what? That's not a prideful statement. Jesus lives in me. And when he lives in me, I carry him everywhere I go, even into this home of the Sindhu family. You know, I learned so much in that month of living with them. The room they gave me was the, considered the room of the highest honor because it was a room higher than all other rooms in the house. And because of the status of this room, it also meant that I was the closest to the most holy place, which was the temple. And inside that temple had 22 altars. And across from my room were these two beautifully ornate wooden beds. And they were the place where they put the dead, one for men and one for women. Every morning, this family would begin their day by placing offerings everywhere and going into the temple to pray. And you know what? They did this three times a day. Their faithfulness to what they believed struck me. I began to wonder what the impact would be if we, as Christ followers, stop to pray and worship our God three times a day. Each Hindu of all ages wears a braided cord around their wrist. The cord consists of three strings, a black one, a red one, and a white one. This string represents the three largest gods in their religious practice. The image of the weaving of the three strings is actually called the Trinity. What an open, open door to see things already in the culture with a shared spiritual language by which I can have a conversation and share the gospel message. But you see, if I had come in and I deemed everything sinful or repulsive, I would have missed out on what God was trying to reveal to me as tools for engagement in this culture. So what is the goal of living missionally? Matthew 24, 14 says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come to fruition. The goal then is to gather out of the nations a people for his name. The bride of Christ is to be a representation of every tribe and tongue and nation and race on the face of the earth. Therefore, the church's mission, that's you and me, is to evangelize the world in order to bring in these representatives, completing the missionary task and hastening the return of Christ. It's only when every tongue and tribe has heard the best news that Christ will return. In conclusion, our purpose for living should be in joining God in building the new kingdom one soul at a time. This is God's ultimate goal. We are solemnly entrusted to offer to every person the opportunity to hear the gospel but it is left to their choosing whether they receive it for themselves or not. 
As an international worker, I love what A.B. Simpson says. It is not our job to convert people, he says. Our job is to give them an opportunity to know Jesus, to bring them access to Jesus. God wants representatives of every tongue to represent humanity as a whole. And the Holy Spirit is the one preparing the hearts of those who accept him. As followers of Christ, we have been given a divine calling. However, we need the Holy Spirit's discernment to recognize it and fulfill it. We are to join God where he's already at work in the hearts and lives of people. Find them and bring them home. God is waiting for those to join him on his mission. Not out of duty, but out of delight. So the invitation today is actually the question found in Romans 8, which I, Romans 10, which I began with. And it says, how can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Friends, let me challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see the lost around you. We, where are the places you've already been invited into? Maybe that place is your workplace, your school, your family, your neighborhood. May you know that the Holy Spirit has gone before you. He goes with you and he empowers you. So I believe today Jesus is asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? May our response be, here I am, Lord, send me. So I would like to ask you where you are right now to just close your eyes. And if the Spirit of God has been nudging your heart this morning, just raise your hand where you are. Maybe Jesus is asking to be more intentional with those where he's placed you. Or perhaps you say, man, I can't do that. I don't have courage. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that he can empower you so that you will not be afraid to step out and share the hope that we have with another person. I would like to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the body of Christ, that you have called us to join you on mission. Be that here in Canada, be that uh, in our cities, or be that around the world. But you have, are asking us to bring home the lost. And so, Father, I pray that, Holy Spirit, as you have been nudging the brothers and sisters, those listening today, that they would be courageous and they would take a step out and say, yes, here I am. Maybe some are saying, here I am, but I don't know what's next. Holy Spirit, lead them to what's next. Father, I thank you that you are our shepherd, that you lead us and that you guide us. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us and encourages and emboldens us to be your mouthpiece to the lost world around us.
May we use this time of COVID not as a time of restrictions, but as a time of opportunity to speak your love and your truth to so many who are in need of a Savior. Father, bless these people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.